Oh, we didn't go up. Welcome to Potadelphia. My name is Dave Diorio. You can find me on Twitter at fat underscore lobster. And I am joined by two roided up racehorses. <laughs> What's up, Sarah and Gene? Um, well, it is true. I am taking supplements. Um, um, I don't know if they give me an advantage or not in horse racing. I've never done it before, so I don't really have a baseline. And the president's never called me a junkie. So I, I feel like I'm winning all around. Hi, this is Sarah Siders. You can find me on Twitter at Sarah Siders. You can find the show at Potadelphia. And uh, this is Gene Zilak. You can find me on Twitter at Producer Gene. And um, I, I probably should have done some, some horse steroids. I, I feel like I'm still dealing with some brain fog from my second vaccine dose over the weekend. So if... Um, if I'm on delay, it's not the camera; it's just me. Um, so, also, you can find the show uh, at Potadelphia on Twitter. Right, great. It's a, a, this is a uh, performance enhanced uh, podcast all around. Uh, we are excited uh, to be back today. We have a lot. We, we're back. Everyone was off last night, and now like everyone's back. Phillies are on right now. Sixers are. Trying to clinch that one seed. Their magic number is one. It can happen tonight with a win over the Pacers. Thoughts on the one seed? Like, how, like, it, it, should we be excited about the one seed? I think so. I'll start because I am the most novice of nov novice Sixer fans, but it's exciting to me. You're not I, a professional Sixers fan. You're I not am not a professional hobbyist Sixers fan. Sixers fan. Yes, indeed. Um, but it's exciting to me um, because the, it's been a very long time. I mean, I, since Iverson was here, right? I mean, mm -hmm. the, I don't even think the Sixers have sniffed the, the number one seed in the East since then. So it it really is kind of the, the culmination of the last few years. And I hope you know it doesn't end this year, but let's worry about this year first. But it's been building to this. It's... You know, they're meeting expectations, lock in that one seed and and go into the playoffs to prove something. So it's exciting to me. It's a, it's a statement more than anything. Yeah, I think this by far is I mean, the Jimmy Butler year was interesting, uh, you know, the quadruple doink and all that. But I really do think this is the like this is the best chance year, I think. The window is this year, next year, and maybe year, maybe two years from now. But I think, um, I think this year and next year are really are really it. This is your best chance at at, at grabbing that brass ring and, and taking home a championship. I think, and, and I'm not, I'm I'm kind of torn between this year, and like next year. Maxi will will be like, mm, like next, like a next level player, but. You know who knows what happens with the rest of the teams in the East, and like maybe the Nets are healthier too. You know, so 
I don't know. I really think that you, I mean, obviously whenever you have an opportunity, you really have to strike when the iron's hot. And I think this is it for the Sixers. I'm vibing it so hard right now. Gene, think, where are you at? I think the interesting, the interesting thing is, and you sort of touched on, on what my point is going to be, um, the Sixers are sort of doing the opposite of what maybe the other main contenders in the East are doing, specifically the Nets, where there's a feeling of, I don't know, the, the Nets to me feel like they're they're not, they're not really getting stronger as they're going into the playoffs, almost like they're already sort of in um, like a rest their players mode that, that this one seed doesn't seem to be that important to them, at least as far as if you look at the, the way these, you know, it's hard not to sort of scoreboard watch as you've been coming down to this last group of games, you've been sort of watching what's been happening with the nets and with Milwaukee and, and, and trying to sort of say, Hey, you know, who's going to be the team that the Sixers are going to have to sort of push out of the way. Who's going to be nipping at their heels. And um, Milwaukee sort of did a lot of the heavy lifting for us as far as putting the nets away. Um, they, right. they took two from them really late here. And um, you know, it's been interesting because everybody's been saying since the Nets put together the big three that they were going to be just these beasts of the East. And they just haven't had the time to play together. Uh, the Sixers have really be, been the team that has been in the East Eastern Conference. And um, I think the Sixers yeah. are deeper. They are as much as if you listen to the way Doc Rivers talk, uh, they're not going to be afraid to run a 10-man or 11-man rotation, at least wow. in the first rounds of the playoffs. Uh, I don't know how much of that's true. That might sort of be just <laughs> what Doc is saying to keep his guys in it. But there, there really are like ten guys you could legitimately say, like, yeah, he may get some some meaningful playoff minutes. Um, and the Sixers are just, in my opinion, right now they are they are already sort of building towards getting momentum for the playoffs. And if they can clinch this one seed for a team like the Sixers, who really could use the extra time to have yeah. not have Embiid be play even if you're going to like let him play a little in the last couple games just so that he, he's not on ice uh it would be nice to not have to have him play 40 minutes um mm. leading up to these next you know leading up yeah, to the playoffs totally. would be nice to not have like that game in Orlando or, or at home against Orlando at the end of the season to have it not mean anything other than just to, to stay sharp um and more importantly probably than for any other team we know if you look at last year's splits, the Sixers are a not just better, but like a better by leaps and bounds better team at home. And you want to keep yourself in position that you are the home team for as long you can as you can possibly be in the playoffs. Especially seeing it sounds like as of mid June, which will should still be hopefully playoff time here in Philadelphia for the Sixers, you could have packed houses at the Wells Fargo Center. Um, for like the Eastern Conference Finals and the NBA Finals, if the Sixers get there, you could have full houses, loud crowds, and uh, if I'm a team like the Nets or I'm a team uh, from the West Western Conference, I don't want to come into a Philadelphia that's packed to the gills after a year of waiting to see um, the Sixers at their at their peak. So uh, I'm glad that the Sixers are where they are right now. I'm glad they're in position to have anything called a magic number. I'm glad that. Um, they're going to go into the playoffs uh, on an up note. Yeah, rather and if than and if you're projecting, if you're projecting super far, like projecting NBA Finals, 
um, you you would be a game behind the Suns and three games behind the Jazz. So it doesn't look like you're going to be guaranteed home field advantage or home court advantage throughout the entire tournament. You know, but you mentioned oh, it looked like the Sun the uh, the Nets have sort of like conceded, uh, the, you know, a while back that they wouldn't they wouldn't get the one seed. Is it? Uh, you know, and you have, they act like they don't want it, but it, is it they don't want it because they're not going to get it? And is the are they are they at the point now where it's like they don't even care about getting the two seed because the opponent at this point, the second round opponent, is predetermined to be the Bucks, and so they're already in like foot off the gas mode. I mean, go ahead, go on, Jim, go. Um, I'll go. I'll go. <laughs> um, what I was going to say is, haven't they kind of been foot off the gas all year? You know, the, the Nets with staggering who's in their lineup and they've uh, assembled this super team, it, it it's sort of shown a lack of concern for the regular season or a an arrogance that they don't need the number one seed. And Dave, I'm sure you're right that things would be different um, if they were closer. You know, if it was mm-hmm. within striking distance, I'm sure that the, the the line out of uh, Brooklyn would be, oh yeah, we're going to take that number one seed and you know we're going to have home um, home games all the way. But I think they can play it off as as too cool as like disinterested of yeah, we'll play you wherever and we'll win because they've. To me, again, uh, they've they've felt disinterested all year. They felt like, yeah, we're we're just waiting for the playoffs, and that's when we're that's when our super team will show up, right? And they've been playing kind of the health shell game too, where it's like, okay, you only have one of three available um, at, at any given time. So, all right, well, well I mean, the- they are coming off of uh, one of those of the big three is coming off of a major major leg injury, um, sure. so you know they've they've had to sort of play that. Uh, when you think back to like the big three in Miami, when LeBron and Dwayne Wade and Chris Bosh were together, um, you know, Dwayne Wade and, and and LeBron in their primes were certainly two-way players. They were, you know, as valuable on the defensive side as they were on the offensive side. Uh, if you look at the Sixers to some degree, if you look at their, what some might qualify as their big three, Tobias and Joel and Ben, um, you might say that Ben is more valuable on the defensive side than he is on the offensive side. Um, if you look at Brooklyn, you know, whenever you're watching Brooklyn play, if you listen to national uh, broadcasters, uh, you always get you, – you do always end up hearing like, wow, this this Nets team can score, but uh, are they going to play defense at some point? Are they going to defend in the, in the playoffs? Are they going to are they going to be able to play in the half court? when, when playoff time come and that's what we're going to find out, you know, are they, are they, have they, has the gamble paid off by playing this, this sort of injury game and, and, and not overtaxing their guys in the, in the, in the regular season and not having them play together, which I think is ultimately the thing that will be detrimental oh, to Jesus. Them. Well, if you ask Brett Brown, they're not going to do well because you have to have six seasons to gel everyone together uh, although other teams can put it together like magic, you know, I just, um, 
All right. Well, look, we got high pressure situations all over the place right now. Six, uh, the Sixers are up by five in the third quarter uh, against the Pacers at the time of recording, and the Phillies are hanging on to a one-run lead uh, going into the seventh inning. So they need, oh Jesus, nine more outs from the bullpen. But Coonrod, the immortal, just got him out of the sixth. And, and real um, quick, real living. quick, yeah. <laughs> the Phillies are hanging on to a one-run lead. That's evergreen. Like you can just, you can just. Whenever you're listening to this, if the Phillies are playing, they're hanging on to a one-run lead. Woo, we got listeners from Australia on right now. So that's good stuff. What time right, is it there? Holy uh, smokes. It's, it's certainly – it's like mid-morning. Okay, like, well, then that's not – yeah, like I was like, you know, it was the middle of the night. Um, <laughs> all right, it's so – let, Wednesday. Let's move on because, Sarah, I've been kind of like <laughs> following your exploits this week. <laughs> On on Flyers Twitter, Flyers Twitter's just been nuts. I thought Philly's Twitter was really negative uh, over the last <laughs> week for a for a uh, for a team that went five and two over the last seven games. You know, uh, before uh, you know coming into tonight, uh, Flyers Twitter's taking it to like a whole another level. Uh, what's going on? Because oh, season's it's, over. It's it's all over, but the crying now. So. <laughs> And there's a lot of crying going. There is a lot of crying. It's it's the Lord of the Flies out there. Um, there's people are mad. People are mad, and Flyers fans are mad at each other. And I'd like to say that I'm not a part of that group, but clearly I am. If you look at my Twitter, um, clearly I'm as passionate as as anybody else. Um, but no, Flyers fans are are having a really hard time processing this season and not just this season, the sort of current state of the Philadelphia Flyers. And um, the, I got embroiled in it. Um, I mean, me being embroiled in Flyers Twitter drama is not new. Uh, I, I do it on a semi-regular basis. Yeah. Uh, I don't mean to, I can't help myself. Um, I tend not to be the most demonstrative. I tend to be the, the, the little more of a pragmatic, or at least I try to be, and that for some reason leads to me being in a lot of arguments. But this most recent round was um, uh, a diatribe by a gentleman, first name Anthony, last name, I'm looking it up right now. Um, he writes yeah. with the... He writes with the fourth period, and he um, does a brotherly pod and something else. Sure. And this this diatribe went around. Uh, Glenn Mack now, I think, even read it on WIP, and it rubbed me the wrong way. Not that someone wrote it. Not that someone felt it. What was the context? What, what, well, was, the con what, was, what was this about? The, the context is... And I, I don't want to do it a disservice because there was a lot in there. And but it was about the the state of the Philadelphia Flyers and um, calling out fans uh, for being complacent. And that's probably one of the first issues I took. I mean, even someone like me who who doesn't want to be bombastic, doesn't want someone fired, doesn't mean I'm complacent. Called out other journalists for being complacent. I don't know why a journalist can't be dispassionate. I would expect a journalist 
to be dispassionate. You know, a movie reviewer doesn't go, man, Warner Brothers is really fucking up this their their latest rollout. No, no, they review the movie. Was it a good movie? Was it a bad movie? You know what sports journalism needs? More hot takes. Uh, well, they, they, they're out there. <laughs> That's what that, we need. They're out there, and that is um, uh, what had happened, and it was more or less a, a diatribe about how the Flyers have lost their way. Okay. And... I got roped in um, when Russ Joy um, shared it and said, there's a lot of truth in this thread. And I said, no, there isn't. Um, to which he replied and called me delusional. And I swore to myself real quick before this show began, knowing that Dave had this on the agenda that I would not rehash the whole thing. There's so no way I wasn't going to like bring all this back up. Oh, no, no, no. But I would just, I didn't, uh, Anthony DeMarco, Anthony DeMarco uh, okay. was the gentleman who started off. And it was the, Russ called me delusional. And I had, sure. I had said, you know, these are why I believe what I believe. And where the fixation of where the bulk I was involved in came about over the idea that no one wants to play for the Philadelphia Flyers. Okay, here it is. Now we're at the, yeah. the heart of this. So the, 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 there's, a, there's a sentiment floating mm -hmm. around Flyers Twitter that f uh, high-profile free agents will not sign with Philadelphia for some reason. They, they yeah. don't want to play for the Flyers. And the, the, this is something that's quote-unquote confirmed by inside sources or whatever, people close to the yeah. team or like my ear to the the sidewalk or the, the, my nose was to the grindstone and I heard that high-profile free agents don't want to play for the Flyers. It's up to the reader to determine why they believe that is. Yeah, that that's what it was at first. So it was just commonly known. It's out there that no one wanted to play for the Flyers. Although uh, no one has said this. No one, no one has, has said this. So right. you, you go try to find it. Try to find a single article. If you find one, share it with me at Sarah Siders on Twitter. Uh, Siders is spelled S E I D E R S. If you have contrary to what's in my phone, <laughs> I've only known you 22 years or whatever. God, more than that now, like 24. But that's neither here nor there. But if you have some player, some agent, anybody on a record saying no one wants to play in Philadelphia, share it with me because it's not out there. And after much consternation going, who, who, who is saying that people don't want to play in Philadelphia? And the answer was, well, it's common sense. Look at it. people used to come to the flyers for, for they pay us to play practically, but People used to come to the Flyers for, for discounts. They'd, they'd line up to go to the, the Flyers. That's why I have my Keith Kachuk jersey. Um, that's why I have my Curtis Joseph jersey. Just sitting in the closet over there because everyone always wanted to play for the Flyers. Because we're pulling down rings every year. Oh, yeah, of course. But it, it was this idea that once Hexall took over or maybe Holmgren or maybe not Hexall, I don't really know. But at some point, when Ed Snyder died, or in 2014, again, that seems to be a moving target, either when he died or, or in 2014, people decided they no longer wanted to play for the Flyers. And that was proof over all the free agents they haven't signed. Now, important caveat, you're not allowed to count JVR, 
or Kevin Hayes. So in two of the last three off seasons, the Flyers have signed a high profile free agent, mm -hmm. probably the second highest profile free agent in each class. We're not allowed to count those. Why? So, Why aren't we allowed to count those? Because the Flyers paid them money. Um, well, th that's me. That's me being sarcastic. But the well, and, and JDR already played here, so it was basically giving us a hometown <laughs> discount, right? Well, it's we way overpaid for JVR, and Rush Joy had said that the reason he doesn't count was because Dave Scott wanted him. That's why he ah, doesn't count. So now we're back to the Comcast uh, link. We are. That's why I shared something earlier on Twitter. Um, one of our conversations from two weeks ago, at the end of um, the show two weeks ago, um, no place like Adubal, Adubal home. There was some <laughs> Adubal and no, 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 the Adubal tolls for thee. Oh, Adubal yeah. tolls for thee. Wasn't oh, that last sorry. week? That was two, two weeks ago. Yeah. I wasn't here last two. week. Oh, yeah. yeah um, right. So there we talked at length about the legacy of Ed Snyder and what it means when Comcast owns the Flyers. And that came up again. Um, I'm not going to rehash everything I said two weeks ago. Right. But something you should know is we don't have any definitive answer. You know, Dave, you, you uh, positioned at that time. It's like, well, Comcast only cares about the bottom line. And it makes sense. I'm not going to argue with your well, logic. Well, I, I postulated about it. I did, I don't know anything. I, I'm just, nobody knows, right? I'm just thinking like, okay, what is what is different about the Flyers organization from you know over the last five years? What's changed? And it wasn't so much Comcast owning it. It was more Ed Snyder not no longer being involved, right? Because he's not alive. <laughs> And that's a different topic because I do think that, you know, and we talked about this show, it's for, for me as a fan, and I think for a lot of fans, you talk about the the consternation, the, the, the anxiety in the Flyers fan base has to do with our, you know, either our, our figurative father or grandfather or comforting figure is gone. You know, we can always go, Ed's going to take care of us. We can trust him. But we don't mm -hmm. know Comcast yet. You know, they've been around since 1996. Not This isn't new. They've been in the ownership of this yep. team since yep. 1996. Yep. But they've never been the full owner. Yes. So we, we can't trust them yet. And I feel that a little bit too, but I'm not ready to say they don't care about winning. That, mm -hmm. oh, my Lord, Gritty. That, oh, Gritty is very popular, so they don't care about the Flyers anymore. Do you remember? Okay, now I'm jumping back and I'm jumping around, but this, I got into trouble and got jump into around. arguments. <laughs> jump around. Um, but over the, the Flyers uh, Hockey Fights Cancer Day, on their mm -hmm. first promotion for it was a picture of Gritty and people like Anthony Sanfilippo and Glenn Macnow were upset that they didn't feature Oscar Lindblom in the right. photo to promote it. And the man's not a mascot. We have a mascot. His name is Gritty. He his purpose is for promoting <laughs> things. You know, Oscar Lindblom beat cancer. And right. it's not like That's they a didn't, point. You know, it's not like they didn't celebrate him. They all wore his name and number on their back. Yeah. They they had him like skate out in front. It's 
this is a celebration of him. Wouldn't it be crass to use it for ticket sales? Couldn't somebody say you're using Oscar's cancer to sell tickets? All right, so it's one of those, like, you're damned if you do, you're damned if you don't. Well, you're damned if you do because people are mad at the Flyers right now. That's right. it. So like, so it's, whatever they do, it's wrong. Whatever right they now. do, it's wrong. It's like one of those situations. And Meanwhile, you put a dirter murderer on the front of the, uh, the program. <laughs> 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 uh, see, they should come right here. For the, you know, come and get your authentic Philadelphia accent. No, um, no, not here. <laughs> I can't do it. Even when I try to think about how to do it, I can't. I can't do it. Uh, get a few drinks in me. <laughs> get a few drinks in me. It'll 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 come out. Um, but but people are upset with the Flyers, and today was media day or or locker room pack up day or getaway day right. or whatever you want to call it. And oh my lord, look at any comment, and it's people going. Excuses, 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 or God, I can't believe he's saying this, or whatever. And I'm like, well, what do you want them to say? You know, Elaine Vigno was specifically asked, would you know, would a regular season have helped you? You know, are you looking forward to having a regular season? And he's like, Yeah, we we can use those practice times, we can right. use the rest, use the downtime. It's like excuses. It's excuses well, because a, every other team was contending with the same issues. Well, every other team is contending with the same issues, but I, I mean, look around, look at real human beings, look at our lives. You know, some of your friends are doing better working at home than others. And that's not a moral judgment. We're all handling this pandemic differently, but also when you're asked, you know, Gene, uh, since I'm talking and cutting you out of the conversation, Gene, if I go... <laughs> You know, how, you know, the pandemic's been difficult. Is your life going to be easier when it's over? And you say yes. And I go, oh, Gene, with all those fucking excuses. You know, it doesn't work that way. And and there's just so It won't much... be, by the way, just so you know. It's got to be a little easier. It has to be a little easier. But um, it's there's so much uncertainty surrounding this team. And I think maybe that might be another catalyst that it's effort. These guys don't care. You know, Travis connecting these, I forget his exact phrase, but said they were messing up the little details. It was execution, not effort. And they go, oh, easy for him to say. Like, what's he like supposed to go? It's like, <laughs> oh man, we are some of the laziest people in the world. Like, I, I would have played harder, but man, I had to get my Mario Kart in. Like, no. I mean, they at least think they're trying. So it's it's incredibly it's incredibly frustrating when people ascribe ill intent to the Flyers that they don't care about winning, that they they just want to make money and they they don't care about the fans and they don't care about this and they don't care about that. And they, they think they can fool you and you're, you're fools for, for going in the games, even though attendance is down. We've talked about this. Go back. Listen, we've talked about it. You know, it's, it, it's assuming sinister motives as opposed to bad luck. Sometimes shit happens and maybe people aren't as good as we thought they were. That's it. I just think Flyers fans are really, well, I think, I think 
I should, should say, we are looking for some level of predictability with this team. Like, I would love to walk into a game a month, a season with some level of like, I know what to expect from this team. I'm going to get good goaltending. I'm going to get poor goaltending. I'm going to get, <laughs> you know, solid defensive play. I'm going to get an offensive team. I'm going to get a defensive team. I'm going to get good specialty. Like whatever it is, I just want to know what it is instead of like rolling them bones every game every season even and like hey you could get an eastern conference contending team you could get a team that could get the first overall draft pick who the fuck knows it's the same it's the same personnel but we could finish anywhere from stanley cup championship to the worst worst team in the league uh, and honestly that's just so hard for me to wrap my brain around that a, a team can can fall into like a spectrum that's so vast like that um, like you should have some idea of what we have on our hands. And like, you know, over the last four years, it's like, yeah, yeah, you have no idea. You have no idea. It's, it's true. And it, that extends to another point that um, becomes a, a point of frustration for me is talking about trends longer than four years, you know, talking about what the flyers haven't have been ill uh, irrelevant since um 2013 or whatever the case may be well you can't dismiss the fact that hexy was running a rebuild during the middle of it you know no one signed here because they weren't trying to sign big name free agents right um but it's hard to logically look at things in a vacuum and it's hard to look at this season that falls in that pattern that Odd year good, sorry, odd year bad, even year good that the Flyers have been have been doing since 2012. Since 2012, it's been make the playoffs, miss the playoffs every other year and go and look at things now and go, it's all the same. It doesn't matter. Nothing's different. When and if you look just at the end result, yeah, it, it's going to feel that way and it might might look that way but when you look deeper there's reasons to believe that this year was different because of the pandemic because of it being the young players that showed so much problem so much promise all regressed outside of Farabee all of them regressed or or didn't progress um so that's that's a big question mark was everyone worse than what we thought they were or none of these guys legit nhlers i mean the 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 law of averages tells you that's not true so it, it fits the pattern but that doesn't mean nothing has changed and it might it, it might mean that we might be having the same conversation two years from now and it's going to be maddening if we are and next season's going to be tough. It's next season. It's going to be so. Uh, unless the Flyers are competing for the President's Trophy all year, you know, competing for the the best team in the league all year, it's going to be well. We're okay this year, but we're just going to be bad next year. They, they have a lot of doubt to a race, and, and this year certainly didn't do it. So. When you're you're looking for certainty, Dave, I just 
I, I just don't know when that's going to happen, if it's going to happen at all. Yeah. All right. Well, let's talk about teams that are playing right now. <laughs> I thought that was good. This is good Flyers update, I guess, for the end of the season. Random mm-hmm. ranting, sure. Um, Love it. A, a more coherent version was on the, the show two weeks ago. Um, <laughs> oh, I do want to ask one last thing. One last thing from that diatribe. Um, Russ Joy did finally come up with the secret hidden answer as to why no one wants to play for the Flyers. He did nine tweets. I'm only going to tell you one sentence uh, because everything else was wasn't noise. information, was, right. was just ancillary stuff. But it was apparently agents are mad at the Flyers because Hexall didn't sign enough free agents and didn't play enough games there. And while there might be a current of a, a nugget of truth to that, I'm, I'm sure there's some nugget of truth to that, but I don't think it's a reason why people wouldn't want to play for the Flyers. You know, maybe an agent might go, eh, let's not talk to the Flyers. Let's talk to this person because I'm pissed off at the Flyers. But they're not going to screw over their client. They're they going might to sign with the team that offers the most money. Like, yeah, that right. offers the most money. 90% of the time. Or like Yager came to the Flyers because he said, I do better with right-handed centers. They have two right-handed centers to feed me the puck. I'm going to the Flyers. Hey, I love the decisions. I love the I'm in it for me mentality. Every free agent it's is predictable. Uh, you yeah. know, at, at least it makes sense, and there's like logic to it. Yeah, and it's and not some hidden secret answer. I hate to break it to you, but almost every conspiracy theory is fake. Take the simple answer. People are interested in themselves. Dave, onto the teams that are playing. <laughs> the Phillies. Let's talk about baseball. We're, we're gonna we're gonna settle in for a little baseball talk for the last thirty five minutes of the show here in one way or another uh the phillies was saturday night the worst loss you've ever seen oh i i i mean worst loss in phillies if it's not followed by joe carter it really becomes it really becomes hard for me to quantify okay. it okay Worst regular season loss you've ever seen? The answer, the answer is probably not just because I've seen a lot, but I can't think of one worse. I can't think of one worse right now. It might only hurt because it's so recent. I mean, there were some nasty good. ones last year for sure. I've, I've, I've said it on this show many times. I have a, I blacked out last season. I can't like it went right from two seasons ago to now. I don't remember any of 2020 baseball. I'm sorry. Okay, so you ha- you do have famous like Hector Naris angst. I do. So yeah, I, th- I just think you know, Gene. What is the answer for? So what is the bigger problem, center field or closer? I still think your bigger problem is center field, yeah, simply too. because you you cannot continue to be a contending baseball team for an entire season when you're trying to uh, to only play offense with with uh, with less players um when you're when you're offering uh the teams too close to easy outs a game um you just you just are not doing yourself any favor it's also a lot better to get you don't need to get a great center fielder you should be right. able to plug that hole a lot easier 
than finding a closer. Uh, I am also of the uh, opinion that a closer, a, a quality closer, is a luxury. Um, we do have, in my opinion, the ability to get out of games, close games, as the organization, as constructed right now, even if we don't have a closer. That's like a get you over the top move, right? Like when the, right. when the Phillies signed Brad Lidge in 2008, that was like a get you over the top sort of – I don't even know who was our closer in 2007. It might have been Brett Myers. It, it might have been Brett Myers. It might have been Brett Myers. I think it was um, Brett Myers. But the, the idea was now you have a guy who is – Whose job it is to lock that down, and you're you you know as he's a specialist. He is you are willing to take on that luxury because it could mean the difference between uh, you know winning the division and not winning the division because you were that that close. Um, you had already you had become a playoff team in 2007. Uh, this Phillies team is has not become a playoff team yet, and I like I said I really do believe that if if managed correctly, and that is a big question mark right now, uh, as much mm -hmm. as I like Joe Girardi and want to believe in him and want to believe in his style of management, he has not proven to me that he is making the difference that I had hoped for when Gabe Kapler was fired. You I know, this is like, this is one of those things where it's like, you grow, you know, like when you start work, like your first job and you thought your boss was like, probably some kind of like genius or like the, 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 the VP of the company was like some kind of genius. And then you actually start working with these people and you realize it's like, Oh, you're a moron like everybody else. Right, yeah. <laughs> I think that's baseball, that's man. Just like, Oh, yeah. you're an idiot too. You know, right. La is out there not knowing the rules, the extra inning rules, where to put runners on base, who's taking on second base. Larissa has a idiot. lot of, Larissa has a lot of issues right now too. So, well, I know he's supposed to be some sort of like, oh, he's a, he's a baseball genius or whatever. But they're, they're all, you know, like there's so many goddamn rules in baseball. It's impossible for everybody to know all of them. Um, and, you know, we're going to blast Girardi for this. To, anyway, all right. Sorry, Gene, I derailed your point. But, but my, my, And really the, the point is, uh, you know, I, I think that if you if you look at the way that this team is constructed, it is an improved bull, bullpen. Nobody thought that this was a finished product by any stretch of the imagination. Um, there's so much parody in baseball right now that, honestly, you haven't cost yourself the season yet by not um, coming in with a lockdown closer or, or you know, I think that there are a lot. There's a lot more to like about this bullpen than there <coughs> certainly was last year. There's a lot more trending in the right direction than there was last year. Um, but you knew. In spring training, all the way through the completion of spring training, you had a hole in center field. And you had seven different pieces. And you have now tried seven different pieces to fill that hole. And none of them have – not only have none of them worked, they have all been progressively worse than the one before. So now you've got to say to yourself, we do not have the answer here in the building. We don't have him at Lehigh Valley. We don't have him at 
Jersey Shore. That is actually one of our 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 minor league organizations. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Is Jersey Shore? We 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 do not have one doing gym tan. The situation. We need the situation the, to close. The situation for us. <laughs> is is that we need a center fielder. That's <laughs> the situation. <laughs> Okay, the situation is Jay Wow needs to come and play center field. <laughs> oh my but, but god! But that's the thing is, it's everybody, me. I'm smelling you. a show title in here somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> so let me just needs. say, Gene, you, you you brought up a good point. Let me just read this to you real quick. This is um, the Athletic released their MLB power rankings this week. Uh, Phillies predictably are like in the middle. They're they're fifteenth. Um, and uh, gosh, who wrote this article? I'll, I'll quote it at the end. Um, they, they write, sometimes I play a mean game with my wife where I ask her to guess the answer to extremely specific questions that are not guessable. Then I sit there while she cycles through the several plausible but incorrect choices before I pretend like she should have obviously known all along what the correct answer is. This is what the Phillies do to center field. Six weeks into the season, Philadelphia is waiting patiently as you guess who the center fielder is. Adam Hazley, Roman Quinn, Mickey Moniak, Adubel Herrera. And then the Phillies smirk and say, Nick Mayton, how did you not know that? <laughs> <laughs> That's good. That's good. Yeah, and that I'm, was good. That, I was tickled by that. Um, and I guarantee you, you play that game with your wife as well. <laughs> and this was written by Tim Britton and Chad Jennings for The Athletic, just to quote that. Um, yeah, I yeah, want to so, jump on uh, one point that Gene said because it was the exact thing I was thinking with regards to the closer versus center field. The If it was our entire bullpen that was the problem, like the past you know couple of years – it would be a bigger issue. Right. While our bullpen is not stellar, it's not a, you better go seven and hope for the best. You know, our, right. our there bullpen are actual is, good bullpen outings. Correct. Correct. There's, there's, there's good bullpen outings and there's serviceable bullpen outings. Um, a closer would be really nice, but it's, it's not as big a detriment as uh, our lack of a center fielder. Yeah, there's I mean, certainly they were able to string uh, together a, a legitimate winning streak. They had a four game sweep. Um, you know, mm -hmm. they, this is a team that, unlike last year, that there are going to be stretches of the season where, if they are able to get their offense in a in in, in a way, um, that they're going to be able to to win some back to back games. They're going to be able to go on a hot streak. Um, I don't think that anybody believes this team was going to run away with anything coming into this season. And I think that that's partly why the front office went into the season with the mindset of we have to see with what we have where we can make the most uh, – the best investment to push this team forward, to progress this team forward. Um, I think they really believe that of those options – and I, if I was a general manager – I would want to believe that if I had eight options or six options, one of them would would get to at least mediocre. Um, and and they lost every possible bet on center field. Every single bet that they made, they it got swept. Man, they every number they put money on, it just came up double zero. Like you had you had no shot at, at taking home anything in this in this in this roulette game. Um, so they need to seriously be looking across. All of baseball, everybody's farmsmen being like, what are we willing to parse out to get into this system? Somebody who can man center field 
without taking us too afar, like too far afield of what we've already got in the works. Um, you need a center fielder. It's not like it's one of those luxury positions. Center field no. is legitimately one of the most important positions in a baseball field. Playing defense up the middle is very important. All of the great teams that you have ever heard of in the history of baseball have great center fielders. Or Shane Victorino. <laughs> Come on, man. <laughs> That's tough. Why are you going to do Shane like that? Um, all right. So for the last 15 minutes, I want to introduce a new segment, everyone. It's Yacht Club Dave's Baseball Hodgepodge. Oh, yeah. What do you think, Gene? Yeah. Let me go get my boat shoes. (laughs) For the people who are just listening to the show, um, you are being assigned homework. When you are in front of the computer, please go to either the Painted Lines YouTube page um, or go to uh, Potadelphia's Facebook page. Go to around the... 43 minute mark 43 30 seconds you need to see the graphic dave put together for this it is chef's kiss beautiful for it so it it, it makes about much sense as the title (laughs) of this segment (laughs) um we have a lot of like national stories um to to talk about and i thought we could like spend a couple minutes on each one uh to bring us home tonight um the first one, I want to talk about Albert Pujols, just given uh, the outright walking papers uh, from the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim, California. <laughs> Did they do him dirty? I think the short answer is yes. Yeah? I think the, the short answer is yes. It's – I don't know how much – I don't know how much loyalty you owe a professional athlete. Um especially one that's never won a title for you, but he, he made a big commitment to the, that organization. Um, he made them relevant after uh, outside of funny name changes and, you know, as many different logos as you can count. I, he really put the, rally the monkeys. don't forget the rally monkey. Oh yeah. The rally monkey was important. I'm sorry. Yes. Yeah, screw pull offs. <laughs> treat the, the rally monkey. Pro- I forgot about no, the I, rally monkey. That's uh, that was a way well, that was the world series year, right? Yep. Yeah. They were, they were the rally. Monkey. Yeah. But it, I mean, I think unless it is ruining team chemistry, unless there's some sort of strife there, ride it out or, or or let him make the call or something it's it it rubbed me the wrong way but not not terribly so yeah i mean so his offensive war is minus 0.4 his defensive war is minus 0.2 it's just certainly and he's been minus on both for quite quite a while now by all accounts it's like he's still like i want to play i want to play every day i want to play first base and they're like, yeah, that's not going to work. You're going to be like a bench player. And he's like, yeah, that doesn't work for me. And they're like, all right, well, it doesn't work for us either. So get to step in. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's amazing to me that there wasn't a way that – and I don't know that they would have been able to find a trade partner, so to speak. Um, and I'm guessing that the bigger problem is that Albert Pujols is not willing to um, sort of do his – 
his victory lap. I, I sort of remember right. when Ken Griffey Jr. was at the end of his career, um, which is if you sort White of remember, Sox, right? what's that? White Sox. I think so, but I, I'm sort of thinking back to like maybe his last year was Cincinnati when uh, there was that game where they literally caught Griffey Jr. like sleeping in the dugout between innings <laughs> or something like that. Uh, maybe that was when he had gone to Chicago and was DHing, and it was literally just like napping in the dugout. And you sort of said, like, "Uh, oh, you know, like Griffey was at once like, you know, the hands down best player in baseball, and now, uh, you know, he's a guy napping in the dugout between innings. It's it's yeah. sort of like well, have you know, if if you watch your heroes long enough, you're you're bound to see them become the villains, or at least be, become become uh, too old to be uh, be your hero. Um, right. You know, I, I wish that Pujols had had a chance to. I mean, Pujols, without a doubt, was the best player in baseball for five years. Was it as long as ten? Um, and it wasn't even close. He was the most dominant player in the game when he signed that contract with the Angels. Um, I feel like that that contract never worked out in terms of him maintaining his his image as uh, an MV, a perennial MVP candidate. Well, he was an all-star from 03 to 2010. Yeah. You know, and he was getting, he was getting MVP votes as late as, you know, 2014, but like, all right, so here's the big question. We've talked about this with Roy Halladay. Does he go into the hall of fame, blank hat, angels hat or Cardinals hat? Um, I'm going to say Cardinals. It, and he was 10 years with the Cardinals, 10 years with the Angels. <sighs> but he won it with the Cardinals. Um, yeah. Angels paid him a lot of money. Um, it's, it's funny because it's actually like closer on paper than it is like in your mind um, about like, you know, the, the time it feels like he was forever a Cardinal and. Uh, but yeah, it was forever an angel too. So yeah, I think he's. Good. I think he's also been sort of a, a, an ill irrelevant angel for four years at least. You know, when's the last time you 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 were sitting in a fantasy baseball draft and were like, man, I got to grab me Albert Pujols? It, it's probably been about since 2015. Um, so you know, yeah. it, it feels like he's sort of he's tapered off as far as his production to a point where he became regular guy, Albert Pujols to now um, bench player and out of baseball, Albert Pujols. Yeah. But just look at like, uh, if you can, if you can see this sort of the salary that he was making when he was in St. Louis. And then as soon as he switched over to uh, Los Angeles, it just basically doubles or more than doubles, but you can see the awards and the, the accolades sort of also, dry up during that time so i mean that's probably why it's so uh, it's so ingrained in our brain to think of him as a cardinal yeah but that's unfortunately kind of how it goes in baseball that's, that's, yeah that's it you know it's all all and i mean when pool host signed that contract everyone said it's like well it's great for it's great for the angels now but in the long run it's you're gonna be paying a, a lot of money to a to a guy well past his prime um, you know, pin here for for Bryce Harper. Yeah, right. Uh, I mean, it, it's going to happen to us too. Um, the hope but, was that we were going to get a longer window of productivity with Bryce Harper than than the Angels did, since we signed Bryce at the age that we did. Uh, yeah, and I mean that was being a little snarky. I, I don't want to. <laughs> you know, I'm I'm not scared of uh Bryce's production. Um, uh, 
uh, declining just yet, but it's, the the more you talk about it, I think a case could be made for either the thing the players should probably do, pull holes, should probably go in with a blank hat. I think it's the official Potadelphia stance that we don't like blank hats. Pick a hat. <laughs> and I would I would think he should pick the the Cardinals. Um his accountant probably thinks he should pick the Angels. So <laughs> Yeah. Um Oh my gosh, it's not, the the Sixers are tied with the with the Pacers with like four minutes left, and the Phillies are in the bottom of the seventh with two outs. They have the bases. The, the Nationals have the base load, so it's like crazy. All right, let's move on. Um, the Mets this week, Rat or Raccoon? Which, by the way, everyone in the press conference was saying Raccoon. Is this a, is that how you say Raccoon? I don't know, Dave. When I saw the outline for this show, once again, I was scared. Because <laughs> do you guys I know? I mean, does everyone know this story? What happened? I, I don't, don't know the story. Okay. All right. And then all right. also, so let me lay it quick. out for you. Let me. Okay. I'll, I'll lay then, it out for you. There, um, I don't even know what night it was. The Mets were playing. It was the middle of the game, and guys all of a sudden are running into the tunnel. Right. Uh, Lindor and McNeil are in the tunnel and all like a bunch of guys are standing on the railing. And all of a sudden it was like, what? Oh, and they like run into the tunnel. Right. And in the post game show, they were they said like, OK, what is oh, my God, JT just get hurt. Um, what, what's the deal? And Lindor was like, oh, I uh, yeah, I saw a rat and I had never seen a New York City rat before. And Jeff McNeil said it was a raccoon. And I was like, nah, man, that ain't no raccoon. That's a rat. And McNeil was like, yeah, it was a, you know, we saw like a raccoon or a raccoon in the thing. And uh, I actually thought it was a possum. Um, but they're all full of shit. They were fighting. <laughs> Basically, <laughs> is what it comes down to. And like, you know, I don't, should you just be up front with the media and say, we had a disagreement, we worked it out, we moved on, we won the game? Um, I don't know what the story is about the raccoon, the, <laughs> the Sam raccoon rod. <laughs> no? <laughs> uh, so I want to start in the pronunciation first because that's what I freaked out about. Um, as you went through the story, I saw little blips about it, but I didn't stop to pay attention because I don't really care that much about rodents. Um, or the Mets. What's the or, difference? Yeah. <laughs> um, but there, a change happened for me a couple years ago. Alvarado got him. Nice. I left him loaded. Alvarado. Six minutes to go. Let's do it. <laughs> Switch it over to the Sixers game. We're just losing Dave on the live stream. It's fine. It's, it's, it's a great night. It's a great night for Philly sports. <laughs> um, but a couple years ago, I noticed I started pronouncing raccoon like that as opposed to raccoon. My whole life, it was ra <laughs> raccoon, raccoon, Rocky raccoon, raccoon. Yeah, Rocky Raccoon. And then I think maybe it was Rocket Raccoon or you know from Guardians of the Galaxy. Maybe that was the switch. But I started noticing. I started saying raccoon, and I'm like, "That's that's not how you say it." Maybe so, it's a you're getting old thing. Like maybe you'll start saying robots. 
<laughs> robots. <laughs> yeah. Yes. The dang like... robots are going to take over. Well, thank God for the Mitchell family to fight them. Rock on, man. Movie's great. It is. It's really good. Potadelphia recommends 203 hosts recommend the Mitchells versus the machines. Gene, have you seen it? I haven't seen much of anything <laughs> this week. Honestly, all I've all I've done is watch the uh watch the Phillies and, and the backs of my eyelids for like the last six days uh days straight. So uh yeah. no uh no frivolous entertainment. Or, All right, let's well, keep moving. I got more. I got more next rain delay. Next I got delay. more stories. I got okay. more more MLB stories. Breaking news: The Oakland A's will start exploring relocation possibilities after Major League Baseball suggests the organization consider moving to other cities if the Howard Terminal Stadium proposal is not approved by local politicians. So, if a new stadium is not approved by local politicians, the A's are going to consider moving. Where would you like to see the A's relocate to? Uh, I I don't know. I see all the listed possibilities and like Vegas being like a number one contender. I Vegas going from like no teams to three in a short amount of time would be really surprising. And basically um, getting two of Oakland's fan bases would be <laughs> crazy. Um I heard Nashville, and just saying Nashville's atmosphere for hockey, I kind of think Nashville would be um, really cool for baseball, too. So <laughs> but Nashville they have to stay would... in the West, though, right? I mean, Nashville plays in the West for hockey. I mean, they're in the central time yeah. zone. Yeah, I guess I guess that would be good. But, that would be good. I'm trying to but, think what else. Gene, you have a, a thought? Uh, I, I don't know if, anybody, if I've seen this, but um, uh, the Oklahoma City is is a one sport town at the moment. They've got a basketball team. Um, it might be interesting. I know that um, you know if you you, you you're never going to put a team in a place like Omaha, but uh, you know an Oklahoma team um, sort of is an, an, an interesting to me. You put them. You know, you have sort of a, a natural rivalry with the, the Rangers or Texas team, maybe, by proximity that way. Um, I don't know. I hope that Oakland doesn't move out of California because – or I hope the A's don't move out of California. Um, I, I sort of like the uh, – you know, the, the A's were sort of a, a team that I adopted as a, a – as a you know, and sort of followed uh, as a kid, which I have even have proof of, of my, my longtime fandom of the A's. Is that the – Oh, okay. I was going to say, if you bring out the original cap that you, I have known you to wear all of your life, <laughs> no, that's 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 packed somewhere. But I still do have that. But uh, here's my here's my Jose Canseco. Yeah, uh, you were a Bash Brothers fan. I had but... in my, you know, this is my childhood bedroom. So this this is this is still here. Um, so you know, I'm not a total. I was a front runner when I was eight. When I when I hung that, uh, less of a front runner now. Um, but uh, yeah, so I hope they stay in California. But if they were to move, I would pick a place like Oklahoma City, someplace that would be a little new to, you know, Major League Baseball. What about Indianapolis? The Indianapolis Athletics. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, there's, you know, baseball's so ubiquitous in. All right, the Sixers United... are going to lose this game. They're down seven uh, with a minute left, and it looks like the Nets are. Eight points up on the Bulls, so this may be a uh, a delay the clinch. Night. Yeah, we, we may go another day. 
but but Indianapolis, I could certainly see a fit. I could see a fit a lot of a lot of places. You know, it might just become a question of can these smaller markets maintain mm-hmm. so many teams? But the thing about baseball is it's the only game in town in the summer. You know, it's right. you know, it's not like talking about like, oh, Vegas has the 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 Golden Knights and the Raiders, and now you want to add a basketball team. That's that could be a lot of money to fight for in the winter, but in the summer. No one wants to be outside in Vegas in the summer, or, or really the winter for that matter. But um, but anywhere in America, you know, that can support any professional team probably can support a baseball team. All right, here's the top top eight largest cities without a baseball team. San I feel Antonio- like we're doing a Letterman top ten list. No, well, it's not. San Antonio, <laughs> Indianapolis, Jacksonville, Columbus, Austin, Memphis. Charlotte and El Paso. Austin would be interesting. I mean, they're they're not represented by any major league team, like in of any of the four sports, right? Uh, yeah, correct. Yeah, g- keep Austin weird, and you know, <laughs> bring in the A's, the Austin do- A's. Yeah, I oh, like I, I am Team Austin. You know, they can do Whippet theme nights. <laughs> the the movie, well, not the drugs. I'm sorry, what they're gonna hand out whippets? <laughs> well, in Austin, they probably will. But I was saying the 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 uh, Elliot Page movie, oh, okay. which is good. oh yeah, yeah, the roller derby movie. Yep, yep. Okay, last uh, last fun little uh, nugget to talk about. We've had two no hitters uh, over the last week. Um, I thought it'd be fun to see if. You two could name all of the no hitters in Philly's history since 1960. And I will venture a guess that you will get all of them except one. Wow. That would be my wager. All right. Like Danny co- Jackson. Are we working? Are we working collectively? Oh. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I'll tell you when you get them. So, like, do you want to do you want to guess one, Sarah? And then I'll I'll see if I can follow until we, we run out. Well, I'm I'm starting with Danny Jackson. Okay, not on the list. I thought he had one. <sighs> Why did two guys from that team do do have one though? Okay, I'll right. I'll, I'll guess I'll guess one. Uh, how about for, since 1960? You said how about Jim Bunning? Yeah, Jim Bunning got one in 1964, the famous 1964 team. Uh, Roy Halladay. Uh. Yes, Roy Halladay got two. He got the perfect game in the postseason and a uh, and uh, or um, the perfect game in the regular season and the no hitter in the postseason. It's only one of like five guys to do a no hitter twice in one year. My turn. Gene, you're up. Yep. Uh, Tommy Green. Tommy Green, 1991, no hitter. Yeah. Tommy Green is who I was thinking of. I think when I was saying Danny Jackson. Yep. Um. Kurt Schilling. Nope, not on the list. Uh, Terry Mulholland. Terry Mulholland, yes, 1990. Best pickoff move in the history of baseball. Gene, I'll hand the baton back to you. <laughs> You're batting a thousand here, so. Um, you you also haven't picked the most his, recent one. His last game as a Philly, yes. Cole Hamels. Yes, correct. Is that the most recent one? That is uh, 2015 was the last uh, Phillies no hitter. Uh, how many am I missing? 
So you're missing um, one one that I know you know, uh, one that I don't think you'll get, and one that is sort of tricky. Okay. One that I'll, I'll guess Carlton. Carlton does not have a no-hitter. No, he didn't. I know. Um, that actually surprises me as well. What what era are we talking about of the one I I, I, I should know? What, what, uh, like the 2000, uh, 2008 to 2015 era. Okay. You're missing one. Well, that's like sort Quickly. of the trickier one. The other one is like early 2000s, you should know. Uh, do we have a combined no-hitter? Yes, you got it. That was the 2014. Cole Hamill started that game. Okay. I think it's a that's like a three-man or four-man no-hitter, I think. Yeah. Yeah. So you're missing the early 2000s one and then the one from the 70s that I think you'll probably have difficulty with. Ah. Uh, um, I would not have gotten the 70s one. It's hard. The, the ones that like before you were born are hard. Yeah, uh, the one that early two thousands. I feel like I should definitely know that. You one. should know uh, this. You and I famously went to uh went to one of his games where someone screamed out the window. I paid for this. <laughs> oh, was um, that someone you? <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> no, I, I remember um, the story. I don't remember who was pitching. Um, was, was, does Brett Myers have one? No, 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 no. He was um, uh he was a an import from I think the Braves. Oh, Kevin Millwood. Yes, Kevin Millwood, 2003. Um, and then I won't torture you I with... I do remember that one now. I will I will not torture you with uh, Rick Wise's 1971. Oh, Rick Wise. No, I, I, I remember. That's a name that that's the only reason you you hear his name is because he threw it yeah. over. Yeah, so that's... that's We're about due for a no-no. And I, we, we flirted we with really a couple are. this year. Who do you think is the most likely current starter to to get the no-no do you think it's uh wheeler efflin or um nola based off this year i'd say i'd say wheeler yeah um i love nola nola's always good for a hit in the first inning you know <laughs> he um although re recently had a, a good couple runs where, where that didn't happen but i always think of nola's like he gets two men on the first and then nobody touches base for like three more innings or something. So, yeah. but uh, Wheeler's shown a lot of potential for when he's on, he's, he's really hard to hit. All right. That's it. We're no, no penalty box this week. We'll be back next Tuesday. We'll be talking about more Phillies. Hopefully we'll be doing some Sixers. Well, we'll definitely be doing some Sixers preview stuff. We'll be talking play-in tournament, uh, all kinds of fun stuff coming up. Until then, if you haven't done so already, please remember to rate, review, and subscribe to the show on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Also, check us out on social media, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Just search Potadelphia. If you have any more time in your podcast listening day, be sure to check out the Whip Around uh, for all the week's weird news. Also, be sure to check out and subscribe to The Painted Lines. Find them on YouTube, Twitter, Periscope, wherever you consume social media. They're there. Wall-to-wall -wall Philly sports coverage. Awesome. Uh, check them out. So until we see you next week, have a great day at work, everybody. We are out of here.